Hello, beautiful. And what I'd really like to know is, what's good in your life today? I'm Kia, and this is another episode of the Female Veterans Podcast. Today, I am so, so, so excited. You know what that means, right? You know that means I have a Navy shipmate in the house. And it's not that I don't love all my veteran sisters, but you know how it is. Navy is in the house. And not only, not only Navy, but one of my true veteran sisters that I actually had the pleasure of serving with at Great Lakes. So welcome, Pooja. Hi. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. So, hey, girl. Hey. What? It's been forever. <laughs> I know. I'm too excited to have you with me today because you know how it is like you serve and we're all on the same base and it's a lot like a high school. And so everybody knows everybody. And everybody knows everybody's business and all the rumors and everything like that. And so, you know, it's kind of like being a little family. So I'm so happy to see you and catch up with you and hear what happened after you left Great Lakes. Because I was there the whole time. (laughs) So I didn't get to see anything else. So I like to know what everybody did once they left. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And Thank you for having me as a guest. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm so glad that you agreed to come. So let's jump right into it. But first, I want to give a shout out to Grunstyle for sponsoring me. I really appreciate that. And it's a great organization and they make great clothes. And you should go check them out at Grunstyle.com. They are veteran owned. They employ lots of veterans and we should be supporting that. So with that said... (laughs) What made you join the military? Oh, that's <laughs> um, my mom, actually. So I graduated early. I graduated when I was 16 and I left home and I went to go live with my best friend. And I was working at Carl's Jr., but I didn't want to work at Carl's Jr. anymore. And then, you know, I tried to fail the ASAP. I tried to like not get into the military at all. Wow. But I ended up scoring high enough to get in. <laughs> you tried to fail and scored high. <laughs> the one time I tried to actually fail a test, I passed. But all the other tests I took, I, I was like, this is not how this is supposed to work. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So, I was 17 when I actually joined. I joined in October 94 and went straight to Great Lakes. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but... You know, I guess it was kind of a blessing in disguise because how long was my friend's parents supposed to support me, you know? So in that sense, and I wasn't going to go back home. There was no way. My mom and I just did not get along at that time. And I was like, no. So my dad came to see me, say goodbye. So yep, off to the Navy I went, boot camp. Wow. So what was boot camp like for you? (sighs) I don't know if it's just me or my personality or what, you know, for once I tried to be the quiet kid on the block, like, don't say anything, don't do anything, don't talk to anyone. But unfortunately, regardless of how hard I tried to like not be in trouble, all you heard down the pod was back, she, back, she. And I'm like, how am I in trouble already? It's been my first day. (laughs) Why do you already know my name? <laughs> and then I remember there was this one incident where it was my first time doing watch for the birthing. And the girl didn't tell me that once I finished my notes, like the carryover person didn't tell me once I finished my notes, I had to like draw a line and say no further entries. So I didn't guess who ended up in, I think I blocked out all the military words, but in <laughs> PT at three o'clock the next morning. Me. And I even told him, I said, she didn't give me a proper, um, what do you call, dismount or, I don't know, a proper breakdown. And they're like, no, actually, you're going to go to PT. So I went to PT like five or six times when I was in camp, just for stuff I don't even know. Wow. So that probably set you up with a pretty negative perspective. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then 
my mom kept finding, you have to be in medical, you have to be in medical. And I'm like, oh, all right. So like I said, I tried to fail the ASVAB, right? Mm-hmm. But I ended up getting accepted to core school with my ASVAB. <laughs> I could I was like, no, this is not supposed to be happening. <laughs> so I ended up going to core school in Great Lakes again. And then mm-hmm. after core school, I ended up getting stationed there. And I was just like, this is my hell. For the most part, like, I hated Great Lakes. Wow. Well, I definitely understand where you're coming from. First of all, in boot camp, I actually succeeded at being invisible. There was another girl named Barnes, and I'm Baker, and they just always called me Barnes. So they called her Barnes and they called me Barnes. And I thought, this is fantastic. They don't even know who I am. Like, I'm completely invisible. And it's exactly what I wanted. Now, probably it had something to do with we were both like similar looking Black girls. But I don't think she got into a lot of trouble. And I I definitely didn't. I, I got dropped one time. For um, I was on watch in the barracks and my CC, as they were called then, came in and I went like, remember Charlie's Angels? I put my hands in like the gun. Yeah. yeah. I went like back running, like fooling around because to me. I was just trying to make fun, like have fun. Um, Right. Even in boot camp, like everything I was looking for, I went in right after you. I also went in at 17. My mom also forced me into the military. I didn't want to go, but I wanted, I wanted a college education and that was her selling point. Right. And they had the Montgomery GI bill and all of that. The old sucky GI bill. I was just going to say, that didn't do me very well. Oh, oh, about 80 grand. (laughs) So, so there's a whole different GI bill these days. So I, I went in and then when I went to boot camp. I just wanted to be invisible and just like, it was almost like, now I did, I, I will say I had way more fun. I always say that. Like I had way more fun in the military than anybody should have had until the day I did it. Right. right. But in boot camp, I was all about having fun. Like I was all about, I'm free. Like this is my first taste of freedom, even though I was in the military because I'm a private school girl. So that went from a strict private school you know, into the military. Shout out to military right. school. And at our age, having that freedom, it's like we didn't know what to do with it. No, that, <laughs> no, no. And so, even in boot camp, my perspective was always, "I'm gonna make this the most fun it can be, even if it sucks." And I did. Right. I had a fantastic time in boot camp. I made a lot of friends. So, did you find that you made friends in boot camp before you even got to a school? Oh yeah. I had a bunch of friends and we did, I did have fun. Like we used to sneak out, we used to stamp our, what? We used to stamp our own. Um, we got the stamp to go out. So one time I have to tell you a funny story. So my <laughs> friend and I sneak out to go to the commissary. And so we're shopping, we get like chocolate and all this stuff. And then we see our neighboring, the guys, that were attached to your us. brother company. Yeah, our brother company. And they were marching. And so we're like hiding behind this pole in the garage. And we're like, okay. And then once they went, but we like ran back. But then that night, our CC, our chief came in with a German shepherd, like a sniff dog. And I was Stop like, Stop oh it. Please don't let them smell my chocolate. It's in my bag. <laughs> Please don't bust. Me, stupid dog. <laughs> oh my, it's that serious to have a dog. <laughs> I was like, stupid dog. You better not bust me. Did you get caught up? Mm-mm, didn't get caught. Thank goodness. Like, oh, we were bad though. Oh, I mean, like, I think at Great Lakes, and I'm pretty sure at a lot of bases, we got into shenanigans. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we did stuff. So well, what was a school like for you? Cause I know what it was like for me when I came out of boot camp. Cause I went in boot camp November, 94, right. 
So I was right behind you. Right behind my week. Yeah, so you're probably the next class. Yeah. Well, I went in on the 19th of November. So just before Thanksgiving. And okay, so uh, I think I went in on the 24th of October. So like a, almost a month behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And so therefore, I probably went to a school a month behind you. So what yeah. was it like for you going to the, so you probably went to the new barracks, right? Because back then it was a brand new, gorgeous barracks with elevators. Did you go to that one? The new A school barracks? You know what? I don't remember. I don't even know where I lived. <laughs> Girl, it was a long I just, it was across, I just know it was across the bridge. And then you walk in the doors. Yeah, maybe there were elevators. Now that I'm thinking, because we had that, room in the front to watch TV and movies and stuff. And we'd have those movie nights. So yeah, I think it did. Oh, you're talking about the staff barracks. That one was across the bridge, um, like tucked onto the side. Yeah. That's the female barracks. Once we became staff after. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's where we used to have the movie nights. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you were on the floor above me in the female barracks too. Maybe. Yeah. I think I remember remember visiting into your room a couple of times with Mel. Yeah. And do you remember Boyd? What does she look like? He. No, I don't remember then. Okay. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. But yeah. Okay. No, I remember the school barracks. No, we lived in the crappy ones. Yeah. So when I came through, they had just finished the new core school barracks. So we all went to the new barracks that they were, they were like brand new, but I was most astounded by the rules. The rules had changed so much from boot camp to a school where, you know, suddenly we could wear civilian clothes after we were done class and we Mm -hmm. could leave the base. And I remember on the other side of the base, they didn't have my friends from boot camp that went to like TPU or went to A schools on the other side of the base. Mm. Um, they had to be in uniform all the time, and it was what much more strict. And I remember, and they used to tease us and say like the hospital corpsmen that that's not they're not real military, like they're not real Navy because it's so laxed. Did you ever remember anything like that, or did you experience anything like that? No, no, <laughs> like no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so was it a, a sort of a shock for you to have so much freedom after boot camp? Oh my God. Yes. I went cray cray. Like I had nobody watching me and, you know, I follow the rules a lot, but, but I mean, at the same time that I didn't have, you know, someone watching me all the time, like it was kind of traumatizing at the same time because I didn't always make the right choices mm-hmm. because I didn't know, you know, I was so naive and like, ignorant because I just didn't know, even though I thought I knew everything, you know, I didn't, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. that part did kind of suck. I think, you know, that's the age group where you're just, you're like coming into, you're a young adult and you just think, you know, everything. (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah. And I was just like, I know nothing. So how did you end up at Great Lakes again after A school? Because I know that we did a dream sheet and me and my two good friends that were in A school with me. And at the end of our our time there, we were like, okay, it's time for us to pick our next orders, our next duty station. And so we made this agreement that we were all going to pick Great Lakes because we knew just from being there that the the rumor was nobody wanted to be at Great Lakes. So we thought, okay, if we pick here, we have the greatest chance of getting to stay together because we wanted to do our careers together. And so, although I think Reed did not stick to the pact because she got Camp Pendleton. (laughs) She went to California and me and my other friend stayed and Great Lakes together, which I, did, I didn't mind. Um, Shown Lieber, she was my roommate in the barracks for a while. And then, um, unfortunately, she went through a lot of drama with, with her command. She was stationed at, um, her workstation was 1523. Yeah, I'm going there. And she was being sexually harassed. And we tried, yeah, this is in the book, um, we tried very hard to like 
do something. Like I'm that person that's like my friend, like I literally watched her change as a person. And I was like, didn't know what was going on because I was at a different clinic. And so I was like, what is happening? Like, what's wrong? Every day she like deteriorated over the course of our first summer as staff there. And I was like, what is happening? And then she finally, like, I like, you have to tell me what's going on with you. Like something's not right. And I practically begged her, like, you, what has happened to you? Because I had a, a boyfriend on the other side of the base. So I was always over there with him. But when I, I would come back to the barracks and I would be connecting with her, she would she was like becoming a shell of her former self. So she finally told me and I went to my straight up the chain of command and until we hit a wall and essentially, you know, we'll just say that she ended up after like a couple of years of this and then a relationship she got into as well, the combination of the two, she ended up trying to take her life and And they finally moved her out of the clinic and she started to thrive, but they were already med boarding her out. So, you know, that, that was a very sobering experience for me. I mean, we, we, I tried to fight at some point she was like, stop fighting. Like it's only getting worse for me. Okay. Just stop, you know? And I, of course I was so nice, like young and like, this is wrong, you know, like, right, right, this yeah. is the military, this shouldn't be happening. Boy, was a, did I know nothing, right? And that's kind of how it happened. I wanted to keep fighting. I was like, well, we'll go over them and we'll go over them and we'll keep going up the chain because that's what I was taught. If your immediate supervisor doesn't take action, you go above them, but you know how it works. You go above your supervisor, you're a targeted. Yep. You know, oh, then yes. you're, you're, you're that girl in a different way. You're, you're a problem. You're a trouble. You're, you know, and so that actually was the starting point of my troubles <laughs> in the military. Oh, no. <laughs> Already making waves. <laughs> I guess I started making waves since I got there. Cause I had a patient. See, I was stationed at the actual hospital. I wasn't sent to a clinic. I was at the actual hospital. Mm-hmm. So I was on the board. And I remember this one patient. He was so creepy. He tried to go AWOL. And while he was trying to escape, he, he got frostbite on all his fingers. Oh, my goodness. So his fingers were literally black. Like, literally black. Oh so God. he came in. So it was he, he tried to escape boot camp. That's what it was. And I was already stationed at the hospital, but he would give us like creepy looks. And I would always tell security or the other people, like, I'm scared. You know, they're like, well, obviously we can't do anything, blah, blah, blah. I remember one time I was on the elevator with him and I was just like, please, God, I just kept praying, please, please. And then he pretended to follow me. It was just so creepy. It was just horrible. Yeah. And I worked the night shift. So I was like, oh God, it was even scarier then. So that happened. But then when I was on my ship, I can relate because I was sexually harassed on the ship and you don't say anything on a boat, like on a ship or boat or whatever. I'm sorry, a ship. I've called it a boat and gotten in trouble before. (laughs) So when you're on a ship, you just don't just keep your mouth shut. And that's what I did. But it traumatized me being on that ship. The military traumatized me. Like, I don't, I had some good times and I made, you know, long lasting friends. But for the most part, I did not like the military. I did not like being in it. There was too many politics. There was too much favoritism. It was just disgusting to me. And I was like, I, yeah, I can't do this. Like, if you're wrong, you're wrong, you know? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So I had HM1s that would, I had this one HM1 Bermudez. He was a bitch. I took care of all the training manuals. Like I took all, I took over all the annual training and everything. He took credit for it. And I had this lieutenant when I was in Virginia, 
And I told him, look, I'm trying to get my degree. I want to go into an officer's program. Here's my plan. Help me. He was my career counselor, right? Mm-hmm. At this, he was like, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. Fast forward about four or five years when I was stationed at Balboa, he shows up as my lieutenant. Guess what? He used my plan for himself. You got to be kidding me. No, you can't make this shit up. Oh my God. Told you you couldn't do it and then did it. Mm-hmm. Why would he do that? Like what? Because he's a. What I, benefit is that to him? I don't know. And then I had my chief. She was this Filipino lady, of course, in San Diego. They're all Filipino. So I had this chief and she had her favorite little guy, barely made third and put him up for something, a sailor of the quarter or something. So I went just like you, you're, you know, advocate, right? Mm -hmm. I went to her and I said, why isn't Monique put up for sailor of the quarter? She's been here longer. She works harder than anybody else. I said, I work harder than anybody else too. We work the night shift in the ER lab. And I was like, you're showing favoritism. And I called her out. And then I did that with her again with that other HM1 that took credit for my stuff. And I had another HM3 with me that saw, like was a witness, as a witness. And he straight denied it. And I'm like, you're lying. You're a liar. So I called them all out. I put myself in for a NAM. It got lost. Those are air quotes. You can't see what she's doing. With her hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was air quotes around air lost. Quotes. Yeah, lost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I had a really, really not good time in the military. I was wow. always singled out because I didn't do their little politics thing. And then I was also ignorant. I didn't know that if they put you up for Sailor of the Quarter or one of those awards, you automatically get an early promote. And so my chief in Virginia asked me, and I was like, eh. Whatever, you know, no. If I had known, I would have made second. That's all I want to do is make second. But they put me out higher tenure because they didn't want, didn't want to give me rank. I missed it by one point for almost 14 years. Wow. Or not 14, I'm exaggerating. For 12, no, for eight years. And then they put me out higher tenure and then I joined the reserves. And they asked me to stay in. They're like, can you stay in? I said, will you give me second class? They said, no. I said, okay, bye. Wow. So all that you wanted to make second class and then you ended up getting out. So is that when you went to the reserves? Yeah, I did the reserves for three years. I did my obligatory contract, but at the same time I got accepted to San Diego state. Mm -hmm. So I was like, when they offered me to stay in, but didn't want to give me rank, I said, bye, I'm going to college. Right on. And so I was, 20, I was 28. So what what would you say would be of all of that stuff? So I know you said you did not have a good military experience, but what would you say was your greatest challenge of service? My greatest challenge I think was being on this ship because I never experienced that type of thing before living on a on a ship. You know, but I was third fleet. So we were a command ship. So that made me feel good. I wasn't just a corpsman. I was the third fleet corpsman, you know, and everyone tried to like bully me and get in on it. Like, oh no, I'll go give the admiral. I was like, no, I'm the third fleet corpsman. I will go give the admiral his flu shot. You know what I mean? Like Uh, stuff like that. And I'm just like, what? And then I regret it because I, um, the person that took over for me, I told her, exactly what to do. And I was like, this is what you need to get. So she made second, just like that. Wow. Well, you helped someone. So that's a good thing. I guess. That's a good thing. I I mean, let's see. I was never in a hurry to make rank. So for me, it wasn't important. What was important for me was I knew from the day that I went in, that I was going to serve my five years active, my three years reserve. Mm-hmm. And I was going to have my eight years done. Right. Like that was it. Like it was just, I'm going to kind of almost like if you're in prison and you're counting the days. So you get out, that's right. what it was for me. But I was determined to have the mindset to make the best of it while I was in. So for me, great lakes, 
I had a lot of fun because, you know, I was, I was going into the city, into Chicago and spending a lot of time there. And I was really passionate about dancing. So we had a little dance crew and we used to go into the city to these little parties and do dance battles and stuff. So for me, I had like an alter ego life while I was in the military. So it balanced it out. But honestly, I never went to see. I would have loved that too. I would, I was looking for something. And that's the thing. I got screwed on that too, because I was on a flagship. I never got my C ribbon because you have to be out for 90 days. And the most we went out was for 69 days. So I didn't get my C service ribbon. I was stuck on that boat. I mean, I don't know. In theory, I think I would like it, but who knows? <laughs> I hear a lot of stories from women yeah, that have been on boats it's that fun. it's not I it's not like an ideal setting, especially in the mid nineties for women on uh, on the ship, right? To deploy on the ship. Oh yeah. And then even being with the military, you know, like I told you, I was sexually harassed. I was assaulted. Like a lot of stuff happened while I was in the military. So I really have a bitter taste. I mean, for the most part, yeah. When I got out, it got me a job. It helped me, whatever. But I'm not an advocate. Like I finally accepted being a vet. Like I would never, I would tell my mom, don't tell anyone I'm in the military. Like I would be like, no, don't say anything. You're not alone. There are so many women I talk to on this podcast that feel the same way that they have just, they've gone 20 years and no one knew they were in the military. And I'm like, but you have benefits and you have things that you earned and you deserve. Oh, benefits. Let me tell you about benefits because they gave me a bonus when they let me out or when I got out, not let me out when they, when I did higher tenure, they gave me a bonus. So whatever percentage medication, medical I have, I have to pay back. So I don't get any money every month until I pay off that $20,000. What? Yeah. Read the small print. <laughs> That's so crazy. So you can't qualify for healthcare benefits or anything? No, I do. I can go to the VA as a patient, but I just don't get I don't get a monthly payment for those benefits. You mean you don't get like a disability pension if are you a disabled no. vet? No. Until I pay off that 20,000. Do they deduct it from payments that they should be making to you or you have to pay it? So you're paying back out of your disability benefit, a Mm -hmm. bonus you got when you got out of the military. When they put me out. Oh, I'd be fighting that. Oh, (laughs) that's why I said. (laughs) I'm a fight. Like I, I, you know, I had to fight for my disability benefits. I had to fight. I'm still fighting. I, I, I've fought for Me too. I mean, I'm years. Still, yeah, no, I'm still fighting too because my knees messed up. They're like, no, you don't get anything for that. Hello. And then I have a liver transplant. Are you serious? Like I can't get benefits for that. And they took I, I, my kidney. I got me- misdiagnosed and it almost killed me while oh I was God. in the Navy. I mean, I was in ICU for three days. Like I was in the hospital for a few weeks on the war and I had issues with that kidney ever since. And in 2016, they removed it. Right. And so of course it's associated to my military service, but you know, they denied that. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand how people would like, a sprained ankle get like 800 a month and people with real issues like us are like at 30% or you have to fight. You have to fight so hard. I know. Well, that's what I'm doing. It's going to help me with this liver thing and everything, you know, but it's just ridiculous. Thank goodness. I definitely hope that it works out for you, but I, I do know that you, you do sometimes have to fight. It's sometimes, and I have had a interview, my friend, Christina, she has a two part episode back. I think that's in my, my second season or my third season. It's been a little bit, but my friend, Christina, she actually was also assaulted while on deployment brutally. 
And when she got back and she got out of the military, then she started a whole nother fight with the VA. And that episode was the first one that I ever did where I, I actually read little known fact. I recorded that episode twice because as she was telling me the story, I broke down crying so hard that I could not continue the episode. We both did. And so we had to like stop recording and I had to set a new date and we re-recorded the whole episode. And, and, and it was, it was brutal. In fact, you can hear airplanes flying above because she was outside. She lives in Florida. So she was outside and she didn't want her daughters to hear the assault story. Oh yeah. So she was outside and she lives by an airport. And so, I mean, just, I'll never forget it. And then to come out, and have to fight for medical benefits and fight for like all the, everything that she had to do. It's just, there are good stories of service. And I really like those, you know, because I'm definitely patriotic, but you know, it's important to hear the ones that aren't so good because that's the reality. You know, and like I said, now, you know, I let everyone know that I'm a veteran now, you know, but it took me a really, really long time before I wanted people to know that I was just because of all the trauma and stuff I experienced while I was in the military with the horrible leaders, horrible, so, you know, and it was so unfortunate because there were so many chiefs I got along with, but unfortunately those weren't the ones in, in my chain of command. I had so many officers that were so great that did help me. They weren't in my chain of command. So they could tell me what to do or try, but they couldn't actually help me, you know. But the worst one was that lieutenant that took my idea and became commissioned and told me I couldn't do it. And then he said it again when I asked him again. He was like, No, you don't have this class or that class. So I took him and he just kept saying no, he wouldn't approve it. So for someone to have that much power over your life to me was disgusting. It's difficult. I think my time in the military, I think it was difficult just because I knew that I was property, like essentially a product. Right. Right. right? And I did not have the freedom, but that's the sacrifice, right? You sacrifice your own personal freedom for everyone else to have that freedom. That's part of the reason why no matter If you serve during peacetime, wartime, for one year, for one month, you know, for 30 years, it is of a great value. You are a hero because you were willing to make that sacrifice of your freedom for this country. And I think we all deserve to be. And I, I went through that too, by the way, where I didn't say I was a veteran and I never talked about my military experience until I started to come across veterans who were struggling. Probably I want to say like 2002, I started to come across just in my path, right? Veterans that were depressed or struggling in some way, didn't know how to get their medical benefits, didn't know how to do things that I had been starting to learn. And then I started helping them. And I found that that helped me. And then I started to slowly come around to be like, you know what? I'm a veteran. I served in the military. I should be proud of that because a lot of people would not volunteer to do that, no matter what with the catalyst, like our moms, right? (laughs) Like, we did that shit and it was not easy. We went through boot camp. We yeah. went through A school. We dealt with like the the predominantly male culture that can be toxic at times. We dealt with right. harassment. We dealt with all poor leadership and I had this one chief that was so racist. Like I mean it was such a problem that they removed him. <laughs> okay. You know, I wouldn't be making it up. Like, I'm not just, no, I know. I don't like I to have no, I believe like, it. <laughs> victim mentality or anything like that. That's not my MO. I'm just stating no. facts. He was so, I believe it. He, and, and that the chain of command literally removed him because it was so bad. And yeah, and he had power over my career, meaning I worked in medical records at the time and I did not want to work triage. I never had a, a desire to be a nurse, a PA, a doctor. I did not want to see. Oh, see I wanted to be a PA. That's why I just needed to make second class. 
Oh my God. And they kept that from you. Mm -hmm. I can see why you would be bitter. I'm so bitter. (laughs) I could see why you would be angry about that, that I don't, didn't have that. I just, I, I was fortunate to escape to the pharmacy instead of being stuck seeing patients because that's what that chief wanted for me. He just didn't like me. You know, he just, you know, and, and when people have that kind of power over your life, it can be extraordinarily difficult and scary and you feel powerless, you know, exactly. I mean, I was a little E3 at the time trying to figure out, did I want to go to field med? Did I want to go to x-ray school? Did I want to go to pharmacy school, ophthalmology? Like what was next in my career? Did I want right. to try to go to college and because, become an officer? Like, was that an option? I was also told that wasn't an option, by the way, to become an officer. Do you know how many women I have interviewed <laughs> that had the opportunity to become an officer? Oh my God. One comes from my Captain Pat Williams. I did an episode with her for my last season for the Military Officers Association of America. And when I heard her career, I couldn't even believe it. It sounded like a fairy tale. It sounded like a fairy tale. I know, but you have those that just glide by and then they get all the recognition. They get all the, you know, benefits. They get all the hookups. You know, I was like, what? Where's mine? <laughs> I mean, I probably could have at some points in my career because there was a lot of favoritism. I can attest to that because I was the favorite at certain points in okay. my career, which uh-huh. I got, I was able to receive the benefits, but don't hate me because it did balance out. There were times where I was like, you know, I, I mean, I, literally I almost went to the brig. So very narrowly did I not go to the brig? So there were times where I was not the favorite in any way, shape or form. And I actually, my very like life and freedom, what I had in the military was in jeopardy. That's another story for another day. So I get it. Like, I understand there were some moments for me too, that were pretty abrasive. You said that you, you faced harassment and you were assaulted in the military did that that happen at great lakes or on another duty station no that happened in um when i was in san diego no that actually that did happen in great lakes oh my god i took it back it did happen in great lakes wow it really did so you did that's why i hate great lakes that explains it i get it right i try to block it out that just clicked for you in this very moment yeah because I've tried to block so much stuff out. Like I don't think about it or I don't want to anyways, you know. I understand. I'm just going to ask you one more question and then we'll move past it, okay? Okay. You you never reported any of that stuff? No. Because I didn't think anyone would believe me or, you know, because I just, I just didn't. And part of it was also I didn't know their names and stuff, you know, so... Who am I accusing? Yeah. Wow. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I do remember right after I became staff and I moved over to that little barracks that you were talking about. Oh, yeah. We used to do those movie nights. (laughs) Um, I remember that there was a rapist loose on the base. And I remember that a couple of girls, like, two or three it's hazy now because it's been a long time but like two or three girls were assaulted and i remember hearing the the rumors right going around and i also remember the feeling of coming back to the barracks after dark and it all happened behind the hospital do you remember these was like a trail we used to do pt by the by the lake it always be all those dead fish (laughs) back there and um, I don't know what they're putting in Lake Michigan, honey, but, know, like, right? <laughs> but um, it was back there. So like, I definitely was very aware that there was a safety issue. Then they caught them at some point later. I don't remember exactly, but I remember it stopped. And then I, but I remember a lot of us feeling really nervous, like, like there was just a general, like undercurrent of anxiety. And fear. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. So I know that we discussed a lot that you didn't love your military experience, which I totally get. 
But do you have a favorite memory, something that you've taken away from the military that you loved? Just the friends that I made throughout the years. You know, uh, those connections are deep. And unfortunately, even though like you don't live by me, you know, Mm. we've maintained our relationship for what over 20 years now, you know, so the people that I met that genuinely, you know, I care about that we stayed in touch. That is the one good memory I have of the military. Yeah, I agree. The relationships that I built. mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I agree. I think I'm still in touch with most of my friends that I had on my little group <laughs> or worse, at least via Facebook at minimum. Right. 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 Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's what it is. And that's why I do this podcast in a way it's healing for me because I get to connect with people and it doesn't matter. I had joined the American Legion. I lived in Chicago for a long time and I joined uh-huh. the American Legion there and I would go drink with these old vets, these men. That's awesome. <laughs> right? That's so awesome. Because I was like, it was a, during my time period of coming back around. Like I was like, okay, I'm a veteran. It's my right. right to be able to join the American Legion and right. Right. Yeah. Right. And they were always very respectful of me and everything, but it was like, as soon as they knew they all, they, of course they would think it was my husband. My ex-husband was the vet at first. And then they find out it was me and then it would be cool. Right. So I loved that. And that carries on anytime I meet a vet of any genre, it's like, Oh, family. Me too. No, that's exactly how I feel. And that's why, you know, even though I didn't have a great experience per se, they will never be able to take that away from me. Mm -mm. You know, I served 13 years of my life. I gave to the United States government. So that's one thing they'll never be able to take away from me. And that's fine with me. You know, I can stand proud and say that even though I got out as an E4, I don't care. Like, okay, but I did it. Honey, I got out as an E3. You know, I passed my exam to get become E4 right before yeah. I got out. The last test I took. So I found oh. out I made E4 after I got out of the military when it oh. didn't matter. It was too late. Right. In fact, it was, um, was it Melanie who called me and was like, girl, guess what? I just found out. And I was like, what? And she's like, you made E4. <laughs> Oh my God. That is so funny. I was never trying to advance. Like I just go to, like it didn't, I I guess that's the thing. If I could go back in time, maybe I would, maybe I would give it a shot because when, when people like, um, I don't know if you remember Mindy Frazier, she was a a guest on the show. I served, we served with her at great. Yeah. Frazier. I remember Mindy, the dental clerk. Yes. So when she was, when she was like, um, advancing through her career and before Mm -hmm. she was getting out i was like dang she's already getting out it's been 20 years man that went by quick (laughs) i could have done it right like maybe i could have done it man maybe i should have been a chief maybe i could have just gone to a different duty station and then tried to become an officer right like right i know but all i wanted was second class I feel like that wasn't much to ask for. It wasn't, girl. Oh, when you get capped. That's what it is. When you get capped. So she got capped to second class on the ship. Right. Yeah. Now I tried to get capped all the time. (laughs) And it didn't work for you. Did you feel like like they intentionally held you back? Yeah. Why? Especially when I got to San Diego. I don't know. I honestly don't. First, it started with that stupid. He was a second class. In Virginia as my career counselor and he sucked. And then he shows up to my duty station as a freaking lieutenant. I was like, the fuck is this? What? And he ends up being my LPO. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. How did you live? Were you like furious every day of your life? I was. Wow. I was, but I worked the night shift. So that helped. Yeah. So what was your, what was your transition out of the military? Like freedom again, (laughs) but better. (laughs) Did you celebrate? I celebrated. I thought it was like graduate. I sure did. Yeah, no, I sure did. Um, And then I had started school. I started San Diego state. So, oh yeah. I was like all about it. You know, I was so happy. You know, I, 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 
So you mentioned earlier that you didn't have trouble finding work. I went through a period where I had trouble finding work. I had to take being a veteran off of my resume. Did you go through that? No, I put veteran in big, bold letters. (laughs) But no, I did have a little bit of trouble finding a job, but I got one real quick at the drug lab at Balboa. Mm -hmm. But there was one time I got peace filled on my face and I quit. I was like, no. Oh, uh, I can't, uh, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not oh one of God, those. No. I don't need. I'm not R. Kelly. I don't need to be on. I'm good. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, no blood and bodily fluids oh, no. for me. See, now you know why I didn't want to be a PA. I didn't want to <laughs> blood or bodily fluids. The blood that didn't matter. It was a stupid pee. I'm like you. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. So So how did you develop in your career after that? I really didn't. It was very stagnant. Like, I did phlebotomy for a while. Then I worked in the lab for a while as a tech. And then I got into customer service, like, technical support. Not because I'm Indian, but I ended up doing technical support for medical devices. So don't ask me about your HP or your laptop. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I ended up doing tech support for 20 years with different companies, different hospitals. And then I decided, I said, you know, I I don't want to do this anymore. Because in San Diego, the biotech community is so incestuous that if you burn bridges, like you're probably not going to get a job. Wow. And I, no I, I stayed burning bridges, apparently, <laughs> not even on purpose. But yeah, I couldn't find a job. So when I was, when I got, I had started already working on my master's in psychology. And then when I got admitted to the hospital, I continued doing my papers and stuff while I was in the hospital. So I lived in the hospital for like a year. I remember. Off and on. And, um, and so when I got out, it was time for me to do my didactic, but I wasn't well enough to like drive to like a clinic or anything because I still had my um, gastric tube in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really drive and I still had my caretaker with me. But then finally, so I ended up doing my LPCC to get another degree. And then I was finally able to start looking for sites to do my internships. So that's what I'm doing now. So right now I'm working with kids, but I'm hoping soon, I'm hoping soon I get an adult. (laughs) Like, just give me one adult. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So what are you going to do when you're done? I'm hoping to open up my own clinic, but that's going to take a long time. So, you know, I'm hoping to work at a hospital or another clinic, you know, that deals with trauma, you know, addictions, stuff like that. And then eventually I do want to open up my own my own clinic when I get, you know, certified and everything. That's going to be exciting. I can't wait for that. I love that for you. Thank you. I already have a spot. I'm like, just be there in five years. (laughs) So, so yeah, that's, that's it. That was my, that's my story. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing it. So I have one more question for you and that is what advice would you give to let's say any girl considering going into the military or any of our veteran sisters that are coming up behind you? My advice would be, um, see, I don't know what the military is like anymore. It's a completely different military now. So I'm really, I don't know what advice except for, you know, to stay the course. If this is what you want to do, you know, the military isn't a bad thing. You do get benefits. You do get, you know, there's ways to get something out of it, you know, even if you have a crappy leader or a crappy chief, LPO, whatever, you know, to stick with it because eventually, you know, you'll come out stronger, one, and two, you'll learn the politics game. Like you'll see for yourself how it works. So when you come out back into the civilian world, which I didn't learn, obviously, <laughs> when I came back into the civilian world, you know, it's pretty much the same thing to succeed. You have to, unfortunately, you have to do the politics, you know, Mm -hmm. and it sucks, but that's just the way the world is now, you know, and there's one quote I remember seeing when I was in the military and it was, 
don't step on someone today that might end up being your leader tomorrow. It's good. Yeah. That always stuck with me, you know, because in the military, you never know when the tables will turn. As in the real world. As in the real world. world. (laughs) So that is amazing advice. Thank you so much for sharing it. And uh, (laughs) if we want to follow along with your journey and see how you're doing going towards your clinic, um, where can we follow you at? Um, My Instagram is life with pooch or at life with pooch. And it's a picture of a, it's a cartoon drawing. It's a picture of a little girl with overalls on and her cat is sitting next to her. (laughs) Okay. And so we'll follow your journey and send you some love. And I know you're still going through a process of healing and all of that. So we're sending you all the good energy so that you are a hundred percent as quickly as possible and helping us. Back to you too. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I received it together. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, and I just can't you know, to express enough how every story matters. And I'm, it's important that we share them and that we support each other. And so thank you for being a part of the show. No, thank you. All right. Take care. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up. I just want to say that I appreciate you guys for listening and sticking with me all these years. Shout out to Grunt Style. Go check them out. I love you guys. And I'll talk to you next time.